Welcome to the Impact on the Ground podcast series. I'm Tiia Sammalahti, CEO of whatimpact.com, a tech for good company with the mission to become the LinkedIn of CSR. In this podcast series, we'll dig deeper into what it takes to make an impactful change in our society. I'll give a voice to charities, social enterprises, companies, grant makers, individuals and government officials who all have one thing in common. They are keen to make a difference. We dive into practical solutions and observe the dynamics of those who have resources to give and those working with the beneficiaries on the ground. Let's start making an impact together. Hello, Nick Eid. Uh, welcome to Impact on the Crown podcast, my dear friend. Thank you for having me, Tia. It's so great to have this open conversation about lots of exciting things. Nick Eid is really the Mr. Charity. Uh, there's a huge list of things that he does and everything is related to charity somehow. But he's a special person in that sense that he's harnessing PR, all this kind of a publicity, sponsorships, and his vast network into helping different kind of courses and helping uh, charities to promote themselves and fundraise. So uh, oh, where to start? Uh, the newest and uh, you know kind of challenge you've taken on is to be the lead host in Sunday lunch on Charity Radio. Tell us about that. Uh, job and actually is is this charity radio a new thing yes it's charity radio charitable radio is a new social enterprise which um i actually read about about six months ago and i thought oh i'd like a bit of that not that i hadn't been working at all or anything else here but during lockdown <laughs> i thought well i might as well give it a go and i've always loved radio and i've always thought that actually radio for good is a really interesting way of spreading good things a bit like what you're doing with this podcast because it's a really strong way of communicating and getting some of the great stories that people have up and down the country from not just the big charities but also the small ones you know the ones that are led by a family member who's you know family member died or or they want to help with a disease that people might not have heard of but it's not you know not massive lots of funding so that really was one of the things that sort of got me to it and I was asked if I wanted to host a radio show I thought well you know what I might as well so mine's called Sunday Lunch with Nick Eid and it's on obviously every Sunday at 11 o'clock and we have a really good mix obviously of great music which I love uh, but we have lots of good news stories and we talk about things up and down the country whether it's the smallest you know somebody walking around their garden for 20 pounds through to massive big fundraisers and also things like the Virgin uh, Giving um, Marathon, etc. But also we have some really great guests. So every every week I have people from different charities to talk about why uh, they do what they do, how people can fundraise. And it's a shout out as well to really get involved. And that's what's so excited about it. Oh, and I love it because it's all good news. Yes. Although the charities might be kind of the ideas or their kind of theory of change might come from some kind of ordeal or challenge. But the positive thing that people are doing something about it. And I think, you know, uh, this kind of a good news radio is always welcome. So, yeah. How do people uh, listen to it? Uh, how do you get to the radio? So if you go online at www.charitable.radio and also if you speak to Alexa, our best friend Alexa, yeah. <laughs> and enable Charitable Radio, it suddenly pops up and there it is. And it's a really good 
um, radio show, not just mine, but the whole station is really great. And also, if you have a look online as well, uh, they have some brilliant information. And we're going to have you on there too, so I can't oh, wait thank to have you. Because I think what you do and, you know, everything with What Impact is so important. And I think people need to know more about you, especially with what you do with, with matching. Yeah. Uh, I think there'll be a lot of interest from different charities and people listening to the, to the show. So it'd be great. Oh, thank you. I will be very delighted to come. Uh-huh. Um, you have your passion uh, kind of course, I would say. Um, you've been an advocate for stroke awareness. So you have your own uh, charity that is fundraising style for stroke. Could you tell us about that, please? Yeah, of course. I mean, my unfortunately, my mum died when I was 23, and that was 24 years ago. And it was a very you know, massive impact, and I had no idea what a stroke was. You know, we had been taught about HIV and about breast cancers and different kind of cancers, leukemia, etc. But nobody from a young age has ever taught that stroke can affect anybody of any age. And I was very frustrated, and, and so I sort of decided that in my spare time I'd become a fundraiser for the Stroke Association, which I did. And then over the years, obviously, as I've sort of got to know more people and I've kind of become a little bit better known, I thought, right, actually, I can utilize the people I know and the things I can do to really make an impact when it comes to stroke awareness. So four years, five years ago, I set up Style for Stroke as an actual uh, grant-giving charity. And what we do is we give money to um, the Stroke Association, but we only give to under 40s, uh, and it's all about actual care rather than research. And we also give to a charity called uh, Interact Stroke, which is a brilliant charity tier, which basically sends uh, actors into stroke units up and down the country to uh, speak and write and read to stroke survivors to help them with their cognitive um, use of their brains and also give them that opportunity to listen to people coming up with different caricatures, etc. And it's a great from a therapeutical point of view. And Style for Stroke is my passion. We do, every year we do a t-shirt campaign uh, and we have brilliant designers, whether it's this year where we had a guy called Simon Anthony Ford, who just, who was a designer from Burberry. And we've had lots of celebrities design from us, from Kelly Osborne through to Mel B. And um, I love what I do. And then every year we have an annual uh, fundraiser, which is called the Fall Ball. Obviously last year we couldn't do it, but this year we're going to be doing it in uh, sort of October, November time. So I'll be telling you when that is. And I'm yeah, sure it'll be fun I will for be coming to, come. to party. Yes, you will. <laughs> Get your best frock on. <laughs> Yeah, so um, uh, we are here to talk about kind of your ongoing profession. So you're founder and CEO of East of Eden, which is a long-running PR agency and kind of sponsorship agency, I would uh, call it. And you match a lot of charitable courses with companies, do fundraisers and and such. And, you know, uh, could you tell us about that? You know, what made you set set it up in, in the first place? Because... I don't really kind of recognize any other kind of PR agency yeah. who would be purely focusing on charitable things. Yeah, well, I suppose I'd, I'd worked in the consumer space for 15 years and I'd always had, as you know, as I've just said to you, for 24 years, I'd had this you know, core of wanting to give back. And I felt... Um, that CSR was becoming a really big thing and that's corporate corporate social responsibility. And also um, I felt that there was an opportunity to match, as you said, uh, businesses with charities and look at how you can piggyback off the two. You know, celebrities uh, support lots of different charities and brands want celebrity support. So there's a way of balancing that out. That might not necessarily be through sponsorship, but the value comes in what the business has and what the 
charity has and what the talent has. So the idea is to marry some of the three together and also to work in a really strategic way. You know, I notice lots of um, agencies were sort of charging big bills for monthly retainers. And I was very much about, let's do a campaign. Let's do a sort of three-month campaign to show a charity that we can go from beginning, middle and end and show them how we can awareness build, but also fundraise too. You know, I've always been somebody who believes that the money stuff comes from um, the big sort of businesses and whether it's Sainsbury's and they're doing, you know, 2% of their bags go to whatever charity. That's their job. My job is to really drive awareness and create a noise and also make charity sexy. I've always been that person who's thought, right, actually, let's look at how we can do it. And as I've kind of progressed, I'm more about also the smaller charities as well, giving them a voice, allowing them to speak and because they're just as important. And there's a lot of bureaucracy, as you know, when it comes to charity, where there's a lot of uh, difference between people receiving money and where does your money go? And I want to make it much more transparent and allow people who to benefit in a bigger way. Yeah, and, and uh, as you know, I think your uh, point here is that you are focusing on the most impactful charities, different kind of charities who maybe we haven't heard of because of lack of awareness. And that's exactly what, what impact.com is about as well. That, you know, if you don't have the charity shops on the high street and you kind of get that awareness, you know, there, there are quite uh, little ways with small budgets to become known. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very important that these niche courses and also local charities get the awareness. And I think it's amazing that there are services which could be affordable yeah. for them as well. Uh, let's talk about this uh, kind of uh, advocacy, you know, kind of the celebrities, uh, sports people, you know, even companies who, you know, have a good reputation, whether it's kind of local reputation or whether it's nationwide or international, uh, you know, reputation. What can these so-called funders or sponsors, what can, what else can they do for charities other than giving money with their kind of brand awareness? Well, it's all about leveraging, really. It's also utilizing, as you say, the brand themselves. And it's not just about, you know, writing a check. It's about actually utilizing maybe their communications to their staff internally, utilizing the fact that they've got lots of advertising space potentially that they use up and down the country or digitally or on television and looking at how they can potentially partner with a charity and promote them through that. So, you know, for instance, I work with a company called Miramar, which is a media bartering agency. And what's great about them is that they have uh, media that's available that they sell to different advertisers Um But there's potential when there's left over, they give that to charity. So, for instance, suddenly I get a four-page advert in the Telegraph or the Metro for Star for Stroke, which I could never afford to buy myself. But because it's distressed inventory in an advertiser's eyes, it's actually valuable inventory for me. And I think it's for charity, for char- for businesses and charities to talk to each other to work out how they can benefit each other. You know, one of the first things I ever did was go to all the shows in the West End of London and say to them, "Give me one night." you know, a preview that you'll normally give for free anyway. And let me fill this up with people buying tickets, but give me all that money to a charity. You know, and in one night you can make fifty thousand pounds for a charity. The show's full. The performers who are 
potentially performing usually to a half house because it's a preview, have got a full house of people loving it. You've got some celebrities there who are Instagramming it and tweeting it, and it's all for a good cause. So to me, that's a win-win. And that's kind of has always been my um, approach is to show people in a simple way that one act can do lots of good for lots of people. Yeah, and I guess, uh, in, like you were explaining, that it's really like a case of the shared value in that yes. everybody gets value. And of course, if let's say companies or whether they are theaters or somebody's contributing something, it's totally okay for them to benefit from it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be hidden philanthropy and then you're somehow more gracious, you know, organization. The more companies and funders benefit uh, reputationally or otherwise from this collaboration, the more they give. Exactly. And I guess everybody wins. Well, yeah, I used to, you know, I used to call it fundraising. Now I call it friend raising. <laughs> because the fact of the matter is you make these people friends. Yeah. And like you just said, you know, everybody has to benefit. So if a theatre comes to you and says, look, you know, we've been in a pandemic and we need to make a profit, you turn around to them and say, well, look, you're going to make money from, if I'm going to bring you 100 more people in, you're going to make 100 more sales of your programs and your ice cream, and the word of mouth will probably get you 200 people coming. You know, so you just leverage it that way. You talk about it, and you, but you work together. And you also don't shoehorn something in. I believe everything has to be natural. So, for instance, if it's, if it's a female-led show... And it, no, actually, let's talk about Magic Mike, for instance. So Magic Mike is a great sort of fun dance show with lots of guys. All the girls go to it. But actually, um, we've talked to them about doing something for a testicular cancer charity. Yeah. Because it feels right. You know, it feels like the right thing to do. It works really well. The guys are on stage. You know, tell your wife to tell her husband to have a check. And that works really well. And I think if you've got a really good through line, the same thing with Wicked, the musical, we did a thing with them with anti-bullying because Wicked is all about being somebody who might not be accepted yeah. in, in an environment. So if you do it with a, a truthful charity, then it creates a really nice story that's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, definitely. I think this is it's like a strategic partnership in that sense that you're sharing also, you know, uh, some kind of mission, some kind of a, a common philosophy, and then it becomes very beneficial for each party. So it's not just artificially built and connected. Like here, these examples, what you told, you know, are uh, amazing. And I think also in in like a company side, when they are thinking strategically that what are the kind of the cause, what is the difference we want to make? What is the message we want to send to our stakeholders when we are doing any charitable, you know, collaboration? They should really think with open-minded, you know, what what's in the company that they would like to address whether it comes from the staff, whether it's related to their industry, whether it's some kind of a local, uh, you know, kind of aspect, some kind of challenge that they want to solve. And I, I believe, you know, there might be very powerful collaborations at hand if you really think strategically and then start finding the partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think ah. that's, what great, that's what's great about what impact, though, because what you've done is you've created a service that allows people to look, as you just said, locally and look at how they can match, but also then nationally as well, and look at how, where their impact could go and who can match with who. And I think there hasn't been that sort of service before and something which is so easy to use and has got so much information in it, which is easily digestible, and that's what people need. So that's what's great about what you're doing, and I think that's moving forward, hopefully lots of different brands and also businesses and fund, rate, fund givers will be able to use your service to, to um, find the right match for them. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we are hoping too, and we are having amazing companies landing to our website every week. And I think the beauty is also that we give power to charities and social enterprises, that companies can make very specific offers with money or skills packages, services, products, whether it's shampoo bottles or whatever it is that you have in your storage. And then charities and social enterprises can apply to those resources what they actually need. Mm -hmm. As we both know that... Uh, you know, charities are, you know, they are run by lovely people. And sometimes when companies contact them, they might be kind of welcoming resources that they don't actually need because they don't want to say no. Yeah. And we have statistics that 50% of charities have taken volunteers they didn't need or want mm. because they didn't want to turn away, you know, company because they thought that, oh my, oh my God, maybe we then turn away something else maybe in the future. And, uh, you know, I think like you mentioned, that it's all about communication, understanding each other. And that's what we are trying to achieve as a brand. And even with this podcast series, that there is an open discussion. Are our values matching? Yeah. And uh, what resources the resource giver has and what does the charity actually need? Open conversation. If there is no match, then it's better to move forward, yeah. you know, on and then maybe find another partner. But if there is a match, let's discuss and see what resources, you know, could be then distributed. But I'm very interested about um, uh, a little bit more about the celebrity, uh, you know, aspect or if somebody has a really good reputation. Uh, you said that it can be very powerful for charity. So how does it then work? I mean... Well, I think somebody... Some, I mean, one of the best examples during the pandemic was Marcus Rashford, who yeah. obviously is a very well-known, famous footballer, but also, you know, he decided that he would talk about food poverty and in schools and everywhere. And he basically harnessed that and made it into something that everybody up and down the country was aware of. And so he used his social media, he used his platform, uh, and he used it in a non-patronizing way as somebody who is now a superstar earning a lot of money, but who came from a family who, who had to have sort of food banks he had to go to. And what his, um, his kind of celebrity and his voice has done is not just have an impact on the charity that he supports, but also other ones have opened up. The government then talked about it. It then became something that was talked about in the House of Parliament. And it became something that actually everybody up and down the country was aware of and strategic change, changes were made. And that, to me, is the best sort of way of harnessing celebrity. Again, if you look at something like... Um, I'm just about to say, I can't remember his name, actually. Um, if you look at some of the big, uh, like there's a puppy farming charity at the moment who talks about that. And actually, again, during the pandemic, a lot of people were buying dogs and then leaving the dogs. You know, it was a big issue. Yeah. And, you know, although you might think, oh, well, it's only a dog. You know, a dog is a massive part of most people's lives. So uh, to get that again in front of Parliament, to stop this kind of behaviour and using celebrity like people like Ricky Gervais, exactly, who have got big voices, who are also extremely passionate and honest about what they do, then I think that becomes really credible. And that's my main thing. You've got to be honest about it. Yeah. There are lots of celebrities that we see will just jump on a cause and you kind of think cynically they've just either been asked to do it or it's part of their kind of remit. Whereas there are lots of other celebrities who are extremely passionate. And obviously, I work a lot with Eva Longoria, the actress and um, activist, and she really is an activist. 
She is somebody who deeply believes in education and education for women. And she is very, very passionate about that and passionate about change, especially for Latina women, of course, because she is herself. But she wants everybody to have as much opportunity as possible. So when you hear something from somebody like that, who has a massive global platform and can use it in a strong way, then it becomes the, it becomes so... Uh, it, there's no currency you can place on it because it really is the most perfect value. Yeah, and I think... Um even uh, many companies can consider themselves, you know, kind of very good advocates. Maybe they are not celebrities at first, but, you know, uh, but they, you know, like you said, that they have lots of staff. Some companies are very big. If they start to talk about something, even their staff can be 10,000 or 5,000 or 1,500. That Those people are already an audience, but also then, uh, you know, many companies don't probably realize that if they take a stand on one kind of topic, you know, they can spread the message, not only the employees, but also other companies, whole of their subcontractor mm. chain. You know, they can talk to their uh, shareholders, other investors, you know, all kind of other uh, parties. And there might be tens and tens of organizations and thousands of people that they can spread the message. So they are also very, like, uh, important platform. They're all the story, you know, they're, they're the, all the people. They're the, they, that's what I did with Star for Stroke. I, I made sure that we created T-shirts, which had a... Had, we had created a T-shirt range, which was the big first one we did, called Famous Last Words, which is celebrities who basically had to give their last words that they could say. Because when you have a stroke, you have a, you can get a thing called aphasia where you can't actually articulate. So I wanted them to say what their last words were. And so what we did was we created a conversation. And that's what you want. You want people to come out of their environment and create a conversation, which, as you say, can trickle down into the workplace or at home or at school. And that, I think, is very interesting with something like LGBTQ rights with regards to, say, Pride Month, which is just mm. finished, is that, you know, it's not just about a month or a day. No. It's about the, the whole lives. And I think people have to realize that, yes, it's brilliant to have an awareness month, but actually that awareness has to tr carry on every single day because people like myself and lots of friends of mine and lots of friends of yours, we all live and breathe it because that's that's who we are. So I think, you know, once you but once you create a conversation and you perpetuate it and carry on in a positive way, then it can have a really strong impact. So we've been uh, talking a lot of with charities um, that may be working with very niche courses and some very kind of delicate courses, I would say. And uh, uh, examples, you know, um, let's say herpes charity. Uh, we've been actually, I have had a podcast as well. Uh, the CEO uh, participated and said that uh, they have never had any company. I think they once had some kind of pharmaceutical kind of supporting them a little bit, but otherwise companies don't want to start supporting herpes because it's such a, like a stigmatized area. Also, um, we've been talking a lot with the eating disorder charity and kind of that's also quite delicate subject for company to kind of take a stand that, okay, we are supporting this course because it's, it's, it's a very difficult kind yeah. of subject. What do you uh, tell these charities? How could they fundraise? How, what, what would be the link to the companies? Why would company... Uh, consider why should they rethink how they're thinking i think i mean listen i think obviously there are sexier charities that people obviously go towards quickly especially if you're in a business because it's a quicker win rather than something that's a little bit more serious and as you say with regards to something like a herpes charity or a eating disorder charity 
they are they are areas which uh, create uh, sort of uh, different opinions. And so you have to be really careful. And I think the most important thing for the, uh, I say it's a herpes charity, is, is, as you just said, look at pharmaceuticals, look at look at the obviously the spread of it how it spreads so then think about whether you go to a condom company or whether you go to a, a big pharma company because obviously they're the ones who are going to be trying to help and also i suppose it's actually as well telling people where that money goes you know you need to know where does that money go is it practical money is it educating people yeah. about herpes and how you can have it or is it going into um other resources so i think that is the most important thing to tell them where it's going. One of my friends has a uh, eating disorder charity, which is uh, called Seed, which is a fantastic charity, which obviously goes around schools and educates them. And, you know, unfortunately, a friend of mine and a friend of the person who runs a charity, Nikki Graham from Big Brother, died during the pandemic yeah. of, of, of anorexia. And that obviously created a massive interest in the charity. And it it actually saw a big increase in people donating as well. And the money that people donated to, in memory of Nikki obviously went to the charity and hopefully would educate and help other people yeah. who were in a similar situation. So that's kind of a, a, a sad byproduct of that. But I think it is always good to get people who are genuinely great spokespeople who can talk about it in a re really layman's terms not be patronising, be like, you know, herpes happens to X amount of people in the country. Bulimia happens to X amount of men and women, obviously more. Um, it, and this is why. And I think it's about just educating and being honest and being quite simplified and telling us why you need that money and where that money is going to go. And I think then probably and hopefully they will get more support. Yeah, I've always kind of when we talk with companies and, uh, you know, we've created quite a lot of material about it also that how to create like a CSR strategy and uh, specifically kind of community engagement strategy. What are the courses you should be taking on? Kind of how should you think about it? And I, I've been always saying that, yeah, there, you know, should be kind of the local aspect that either even if you're like a nationwide company, you still have local offices and you have to be relevant then there might be interest link, like you said, like a pharmaceutical could be, you know, supporting some kind of an illness. But I guess every company could kind of uh, take one kind of a, how would I say, societal topic, whether it's environmental or illness or any kind of, uh, kind of a thing that they could take ownership. Mm. And even like this herpes, although it's a difficult topic, but 70% of the world population ha ha has it. Mm which means 70% of their employees have it. Uh, Except the, and the eating disorders, they're not just for young people. They're all ages. You know, there are so many different kind of eating disorders we don't even kind of know yeah. as a general public, but they are the, you know, the in a numerical, they are the biggest numbers. So a lot of adults, 30s, 40s, 50s, suffer from different kind of eating disorders we are not aware of, which means, again, maybe many of the company employees are amongst these people. Yes. So actually the company could be helping their own staff by investing in these courses. And that's always my kind of advice to them to think about it this way and be brave. Yeah. Use your platform. If you're a respected company, you have a voice. And when you take out this kind of a difficult topic, people look up to you and they're like, wow, 
That's, they do. I mean, yeah. we, we did a, a, an event when we, ha- we look after a place called Ocean Beach, which is in Ibiza, which is a fabulous uh, beach club. But, you know, we decided to do something for charity. We were working with MTV Staying Alive, which is an HIV charity. Mm. And, you know, Ocean Beach is very well known for absolutely gorgeous people. It's like a real life love island. Everybody's probably kissing and doing lots more, you know, when they've been at the club and they leave. And so for us to sort of give people condoms as they entered and condoms as they left to uh, with information about the spread of it plus a, a, sex, uh, a safe sex sort of education bit and also kind of still made it sexy because we had like brilliant DJs etc was a really strong thing for them to do and it worked very well in 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 Ocean Beach's PR because people went wow you know they encourage f- people having fun and enjoying themselves but they're also saying have fun and enjoy yourself, but also be aware. And I think that was really brave. And I think, yeah, as you say, other businesses should do that. I think what the biggest issue is that usually a CSR campaign comes from one person yeah. and they will maybe have a family history of, of yeah. something. And so they decide it goes to that charity or they will see children in need or they'll see Macmillan's um, coffee morning. And they'll look at look at that as a sort of tick in their box. But I totally agree with you that there should be maybe a beauty parade of 30 charities or 20 charities. And people can choose and then decide maybe who they benefit or they percentage it up or whatever, you know, and they do a big fundraiser and a bit of that, fractions of that go to different causes. Because everybody is going through something that we don't know they're going through. And yeah. everybody deserves to raise money and awareness for things that we might not necessarily know they're going through as well. Yeah, and I guess in, in, in companies, you know, uh, both aspects are important that you kind of have your own like a corporate level or company, like a board level, director level, strategic choices, which are even supporting your business goals. You know, that kind of decisions mm. who you support. But then there is another aspect of giving voice to employees, yes. uh, you know, uh, so and I see that these are very many times mixed. And of course, if co- company employees are choosing lots of tens of different charities because, and they should be, if they are doing payroll giving, they are fundraising, the money should go exactly where yeah. they want to go. But it's not supporting the company's strategic goals yes. in that sense because, you know, it's made by maybe hundreds of different people, different charities. Obviously, it's it's uh, helping with the employee satisfaction, retention and all that aspect. But the company should maybe make a difference between these two and then think about it. Okay, these are employee-driven decisions. And then we have this kind of like our brand-related kind yeah. of layer of CSR as well. And that gives then opportunities, again, for different kind of charities. Mm. I think that's really clever. I think the issue is, unfortunately, that time. Yeah. And who's doing it and who's going to actually strategically do that and help people in it. Because I think the biggest problem with lots of the, the big businesses are that they kind of do their thing and then they kind of, they have other stuff to do, as we know. Yeah. You know, my big thing is that it, it's, I, I call everybody and every, I call myself an everyday philanthropist. That's how <laughs> I see you, you know. Yeah. We think about good, good things all the time and we're not doing it, I'm not doing it in a awoke fashion. I'm not doing it like a, a saviour yeah. point of view. I'm just thinking, actually, that could impact me and actually impact other people and it's really simple. And I think that kind of stuff, that gratification that you can give to yourself is actually a really nice way. If you can't get your business uh, or your boss to benefit a charity of your own, you can look at other ways. And I've been, 
I'm, I'm fascinated by this thing. It's in, in um, Canada. There's this, this thing called 10 Men. And basically, it's 10 guys who get together every month. And they, um, they all have to raise $100 each, okay? But they can't write a check. And they cannot be given it. They have to do something. So these guys are CEOs and they, have, they wash cars. They do a bake-off. They have a barbecue. And everything they have to get is free. But their friends pay them then. You know, they buy the, the cakes or whatever. And then they, have, they then have a pool, this $1,000 that they've got from each of them getting $100 each. And then they decide to pay it forward. And they give it to somebody in need. And it's such a lovely thing to do. And it's very simple. And I kind of encourage everybody around me and in my life to think about that model because you're really doing something for nothing. But the impact that you're going to have on other people and yourself yeah. by washing cars, you know, is so huge and gratifying that it makes me really happy. Yeah, and I guess that in that example, you said that they are company CEOs and maybe day time uh, would be m- much more valuable than maybe the hundred yes. pounds what they make a day. But like you said, that, you know, they are people with lots of networks. And when 10 people start spreading this message, also on exactly. social media, they communicate, they will help with their, then, their you know, yeah. uh, kind of friends to get gain awareness for any cause or any kind of challenge in a society. So they are harnessing, again, the communication. And it's all about good. But if one if a CEO has got this challenge to raise $100 without using his own money, and he goes and bakes cakes and gives it to, takes it round his neighbours, his neighbours have all helped a stranger. Yeah. They've all helped someone. And it's such a lovely feeling because they all feel they're part of community and it spreads that story. And that's why I think that to me is kind of the way that I now live my life and I think about everything in that respect. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the truth that, you know, we are all like as humans, everybody just gets so much benefits from doing good. And uh, also, you know, in, in companies, you know, every single person who is working for the company wants things to happen, you know, and of course, then the decisions might be made by a few people, like you mentioned, on the name of the company, but everybody within the company is, you know, should be made proud of, you know, whatever the company contribution is, even if they themselves didn't participate. Uh, and uh, actually, there has been studies done in the United States uh, where they measured the satisfaction, like job satisfaction, and how proud people were about volunteering within the organization. And the results came back that those people who volunteered and who didn't participate but knew what other people had been done, they were as happy. Mm. Because even those who, those people who didn't participate or volunteer themselves, they were still proud of the company and the achievements what yeah. their peers made. And then they they got the, the satisfaction from their job, you know, kind of and, and kind of the fact that the company had been contributing uh, as such. And I, I thought it was quite funny that we, we humans are funny creatures yeah. that, you know... Uh, you get gratified by osmosis. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that's quite good. Anyway, uh, thank you so much, Nick. It's been lovely to chat and um, I will be visiting your show, show soon, one Sunday lunch. Uh, and, uh, yeah, 
So if people want to reach you, where where can they uh, reach you? Maybe on LinkedIn? Yeah, or... they can look at me on LinkedIn. Obviously, it's Nick Eid or my Instagram is Nick Eid. And if you have a look at my website, which is www.eastofedenpr.com, you can see everything that we do. But thank you so much. Thank you, you so me. much. Okay. See you soon. See you soon. Thank Bye. You. <laughs> so thank you for tuning into What Impact on the Crown podcast. It's been great to have you with us. I'm Tiia Sammalahti, CEO of whatimpact.com, a tech-for-good company with the mission to become the LinkedIn of CSR. Whether you are a company with resources to give or a charity or social enterprise looking for resources to make an impact, check out our platform and start your free trial now. Let's make a difference together.